so i think at the end of the day is what am i learning from this rather than why is it happening to me yeah that's true and that has to come across in your writing so tell your story but then also you need to write from that place of love and light so that you can inspire people and motivate people that no matter where they're at like it's not impossible to get out of it or to you know to yes, heal yes yes to yes heal, basically yes You are listening to Life As We Know It, the podcast. The podcast created as a safe platform for sharing, rooted in elevating the voices and lives of our listeners out there to live a whole life unbounded. And I'm your host, Olerato. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to Life As We Know It, the podcast. It's Tuesday yet again, and I'm excited for the obvious reason. So like I promised in today's episode, I do have a guest with me today. I have Tandiwe Haubebe. Tandiwe sits with me in this conversation and she shares about her writing journey. She holds 20 years of experience in TV and film industry with her long list of titles, being a published writer, a storyteller, an actress, a voiceover artist, a certified yoga teacher, an entrepreneur, an inspirational speaker, an international coach, and a mentor. She still is a mom to two amazing boys. Tendiwe was born in exile in Zambia, and you'll hear in the conversation as we tackle identity, finding belonging, and finding healing and purpose through writing. I hope that you'll enjoy today's episode. So let's start the conversation. Hi, Tandi. Hi, Lerato. How are you? I am awesome. Thank you so much for actually gracing me with your presence here today to my podcast to have this conversation with you. Thank um, you. Knowing so much about you and knowing about the wealth of information that you have, I do think that this podcast is going to go greatly well and there's so much that you're going to share with our listeners. I just want you to first start with introducing yourself because although I know you, yeah. but our listeners don't know much about you. So I want you to introduce yourself. Awesome. Hi, everyone. I'm Tandiwe Khaubepe. I am a TV creative. Um, many roles in the, I've played many roles in the television and film industry for the past 20 years. And I am a writer. I am also a coach and mentor. I was born in political exile in Zambia. And then when I turned 10 years old, Nelson Mandela was released from prison and everybody was coming back home to South Africa. So I came to South Africa when I was 10 years old. So that's about 27 years ago. Wow. What in your childhood would you say you would love to keep forever? What stood out to you? Can I tell you something that I loved doing Uh when um, when I was in Zambia? And it's the simplest thing, and I, I recently also just went back to it and reflected on it. I loved climbing trees and picking fruit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I wasn't scared of what tree to climb. Mm. I think the only time I jumped down um, a tree, which was the peach tree in our garden, was when I saw the chameleon. So the chameleon... What I didn't like about the chameleon is that the chameleon changes color to be to match Anything. you. Mm. And then when they match you, you don't know what they're going to do. Mm. So I didn't want to be 
uh, with that chameleon in the mm. tree and that's how i climbed down i remember i saw it and i was like ah i know what's gonna happen you're gonna change to match what i am wearing so you can do whatever it is that you're gonna do which i'm not quite sure about mm. and i'm not sticking around for that um so i mean i loved climbing trees and the climbing of the trees what i discovered recently especially with what i'm doing right now which is helping people discover their purpose and recover their um creativity is that climbing trees show that i'm an explorer i'm an adventurer i'm a risk taker (laughs) and all these things that actually i have realized that i am that have been within me you Mm. know so um, I was quite brave in just going after what I wanted. I want to ask you, so you mentioned something about chameleons. Yeah. And I know that in this industry, you do face a lot of chameleons. This yeah. is just a bit of diversion from our conversations. Yeah. Have you actually encountered people in your journey through writing and production that really were meant to be on your side and that happened? They were chameleons. Well, you know what? And how have you the, been able to navigate that? The world, we live in a fickle world. Yeah. And uh, that's why it's so important that you are first and foremost true to yourself. Because even when that is happening around you, mm. it won't even affect you. Mm. You just like, you will see it for what it is. Mm. And um, God is amazing. You know, I'm a huge believer in God. And God somehow he will show you and you decide he Mm. gives you the power of decision Mm. do you want to hang out with those chameleons Mm. or now that i have shown you do you want to move away to Mm. the group that is for you you know like they say that when love is no longer in the room you have step out Mm. you know so i think i've been fortunate in that sense is that i have if i am shown um i know that that is not my vibe (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know because i am who i am yeah they are who they are yeah and if we are not matching and it's not mixing Mm. out of the billions of people in this world why must i just want to stick with them Mm. and their vibe to fit in and i've never really been that type of person who's tried to fit in because i mean i remember recently i was working for a production company and but the way the company you know it was it was a nice environment but you know there were certain things in that environment that were not me mm. you know for example you um invited to a christmas party and there's uh, you know i'm not a drinker so and there is a a part of the christmas party where everybody has to drink tequila shots and I stood up and I said, um, as me. much as it's fun for you guys, it is mm. not me. Mm. And um, when you're trying to fit in and you don't know who you are, you're going to drink the tequila mm. just to fit in with them. Wow. Because you're feeling threatened that if I don't, then I'm going to lose my job. I something like, I feel like sometimes we try to preserve our own share mm-hmm. in the market and we don't want to jeopardize that by even doing what is right or fair for the next generation we don't yeah. want to correct uh, the malfunctions or the corruption of the system mm-hmm. right now for the generations to come mm-hmm. also hearing you say that that it's more about what aligns with you and yeah. your own integrity does this does this speak to me and is this truly who i am i'm not mm-hmm. going to fit into something that 
it's all about trying to save my career or my job or my money. Absolutely. You know? yeah, yeah. So it's really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong believer that even when when you are in God and mm. when one day one door closes, another opens, yeah. you know. Um, and really what really sets us apart is our faith, yeah. you know. So if we are going to always stoop to something that we are not and mm. that is not going to glorify of oh. God, you're not living in your true self. Mm. And, um, you know, and it's happening to a lot of people because we are so much into the quick fix, yes. you know. So it's the quick fix is always about us mm. and what I can get. And like you are saying, not thinking about the future generation. Yeah. That's why you have even in so many families and, and it's happened in my family as well, mm. where there's been an inheritance battle with property, mm. you know, and people are just thinking about the money I can get now to do something now and not thinking about actually the, the bigger picture, the future, mm. you know, these, the, the, the grandchildren yeah. um, and how we can turn it into something that is actually a legacy. Yes. Because by the time you um, decide to make an instant decision to just for the quick fix right now, you have actually broken the legacy, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I want us to dive deep now into the conversation. Yeah. Right? As someone who was born in Zambia and born of Congolese South African parents, how have you been able to define identity for yourself and how have you been able to find belonging for yourself? Okay. So um, I can say that in the beginning, I kind of just was going with the flow. I mean, mm. when we were in Zambia, it was very evident that my dad was South African, mm. you know? So, and I never really spoke about it because my mom, even though she's of Congolese roots, she was also born um, in Zambia. So her parents came from Congo in search for work and, you know, they arrived in Zambia and they had their children there. Okay. So... I never really, because I became, I was born there, I spoke their language, even though it's not my mom's language, mm. you know, my mom is Lamba from Lumbashi, um, so I, I, I learned to speak Bemba, and I was part of them, but because of my name, my first name and my last name is South African, <laughs> and my dad worked for the United Nations as an aircraft engineer, wow. so they all knew that he was not, um, you know, Zambian, um, even though he had been there since he was eight years old. Mm. In school, it would be, when are you going back home? <laughs> and I'd never been to South Africa. So for me, it was like, it was kind of like, when am I going back home? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> you know, isn't this my home as well? You know, and that was on the Zambian side. But the Zambian side, somehow, I think it wasn't so... The approach wasn't so harsh. It would just be now and then, when okay. are you going back home? And then when I came to South Africa, um, I was in a what they call a Model C school. Yeah. And I was one of the very first few black people in the Model C school. So, and the approach of the, 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 my white classmates was, 
oh, you're not like them. And I never knew what you're not like them meant because I lived in the suburb and um, I had no, I, I had no idea. In fact, I was quite excited <laughs> to be amongst white people because in Zambia there was like, I think I only saw one or two white people mm. and I always was very um, intrigued by them, wanted to touch their hair oh. and like all that kind of thing. Cause they were so different, you know? So there was no political boundaries then, you know? So that's how um, primary school, I got through primary school fine. Um, not really any racial issues at all. Um, besides, if I reflect back, um, the white kids not really wanting to pronounce my name. Okay. I mean, the one girl said, um, oh, so your name is Tandiwe. Um, can I call you Tapaway? I know. Are you serious? So, um, and then some called me Tandy, you know. Mm. Um, I, that's about the only thing. And I didn't really know what Tupperware was. So you never felt um, the tension between black, being black and blackness and being in a white school? No, I didn't feel it. Wow. Um, because I was the, like the only black kid and I was the so black So they were more achiever. excited of you being there or what? Yes, I think they were, but then... I think what their their view of black people mm. in in terms of the political climate mm. was completely different to my view. I mean, my view was what I saw in documentary films oh. was that South Africa was this place where um, the police break down your doors and shoot you and that kind of thing, you know. So, and I thought that's how South Africa looked like. But when I arrived in South Africa and I'm moving into a suburb. It was a different experience. I was like, what was I seeing? Because what I was seeing and where I am right now, hello, I've arrived in heaven. <laughs> you know, like I just remember us driving down William Nickel all the way into Hurling Her Manor. That's, that's where I grew up. Um, I was like, it's so different from what I had seen mm. on the documentary films back in Zambia about what was going on here, you know, because that's all we saw. And we didn't know that there were suburbs, there were beaches, there mm. were, you know, all kinds of amazing places. I didn't see any of that. And um, it was all good. And then when I left um, primary school and I went into high school, that's when... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> identity issues came up because now, even though I went to another to a to a private school, I went to Hyde Park High. Um, now a lot of um, black kids um, from the townships were in those schools as well, you know. And um, now mm. I was labeled a foreigner. I was labeled coco by, by, by the black people. So I experienced, I actually now started experiencing racism from black, from black people. Now what we call xenophobia. Um, then it was, I was called a foreigner. I was called a coconut. Was, I was it shocking and surprising that yes, actually you're getting this treatment? Yeah, it was. Black. I mean, I was called a traitor. Um, I think the one day I got really hurt and I went home crying was when I was told I'm not South African. So I went home and I told my dad and my dad was like, who told you that? Wow. <laughs> you know, he was really, really mad. And that's how he got the numbers of the kids and had to make a phone call. Mm. Um, it didn't really stop because also the thing is in high school, I was friends with everyone. So I was friends with the white kid, the black kid, the... Indian kid, the colored kid. 
but um, what started happening in terms of my black circle, I was more connected to, towards the, the the black foreign kid. You know, oh, like my okay. best friend was actually from U- Uganda, even yeah. though she was born here, but they were from Uganda. Mm. So I now started connected towards, and I don't think it was a deliberate thing. It was mm. just when I reflect now, it's like I see that I started pulling away from the black kids, um, you know, the, most of them were Zulu speaking, you know, because they were doing the teasing. And the only time it actually stopped was when my grandfather at the time, um, Alfred Nzo, was mm. foreign minister of South Africa. And that morning, usually in the mornings, my uncle, his only son, would drop us off at school. And um, the drop-off section, all the kids would be standing around and seeing their friends come in, being okay. dropped off and yeah. that kind of thing. And um, the one day he had to come with us because my uncle had to take him Mm. to wherever he needed to get to. I don't know if it was to Pretoria or whatever. Mm. They actually saw that, ah, actually she is Alfred (laughs) Nzo's granddaughter. And that's when they, uh, you know, you're a quere quere, you're a foreigner, you're taking away our houses. These are kids speaking, taking away our houses, our jobs. That's when all that talk Mm. actually stopped. But by the time that stopped, I was also just so far gone and I was so angry that um, they didn't see me as one of them. Yeah. That, uh, you know, that... That it only took your grandfather coming by to qualify you as one of them. So by then, I mean, if you see my end of year (laughs) photo in the yearbook, uh, we were asked to say something and all it says, I mean, my big afro... Rasta Afro looking and all I say is please leave me alone and then by the time I was getting out my identity was being questioned in places where somebody would have to look at my ID you know they would look at my ID and they say ha you attending when you're not speaking um how come you're not speaking Isizulu mm-hmm. you know and then they'll look at my surname and they my surname they just even confused it's Twana like at least I should speak one of them you yeah. know and it now became this like tug of war with society in places, you know, whether it's just I'm going to the shop, you know, because of the color of my skin, mm. I should be as this language and I should be speaking this language. And I tried the whole trying to explain that I was born in exile. It didn't work for very long because people were actually didn't even understand what that was. I started using that tactic of like, I will just speak back to them in Bemba. Mm. Like if that is gonna, I'll speak back to you in an African language that I know. If Mm. this is about an African language and me being black. Mm. But then what started happening is that I, I remember this one security guard said to me, that's better. But I'm like, that's better, but you didn't understand what I said. And then other people will be like, you are insulting me. And I'm like, how do you think mm-hmm. I feel when you are speaking to me in a language that you don't know? Yes. It's exactly how you are feeling. When I be- started becoming, even though I was brought up Christian, I went into Buddhism. And when I started becoming um, deeper into my spiritual journey as in Buddhism, um, I started realizing that, um, you know, it's one thing for me to be angry, but actually the only reason they are reacting the way they are and I'm reacting the way 
I am is just ignorance. Mm. Mm. And that is true. And now I needed to start pulling back to have the patience. Mm. Because as much as I am angry at them for not getting me, they're also <laughs> angry at me, mm. you know. Is that where you found belonging? Because a lot of people say they found belonging in spirituality so, and all that. In, I mean, Buddhism, I was in it for like about five years. Wow. So I think when I was in it for about five years, I think I, I just started pulling back in terms of just my reactions to things, you know, and understanding that usually even when people like just go crazy or are angered, it's, it's a lack of understanding. It's a lack of in anything just even in relationships you know i think we always try to view things from our own angle we never really try to understand things from your standpoint as well and that is why when we are angry never really understand where the other person is standing from and why are they saying or how why are they feeling the way they feel so yeah it goes on both ends so buddhism taught me to take a step back Mm -hmm. and like what you said put myself in other people's shoes um before i react to everything um, and I think that that was a great training ground for me. And I, I, needed, I needed that because that was the only way I was going to have peace with myself, mm. you know. And then when I converted from Buddhism um, to Christianity, um, which was a few years ago, um, something traumatic, tragic had happened in my life. I lost my twin girls. I was like, oh, I needed more than buddhism i was like i needed god (laughs) (laughs) himself you know i was like i needed god because i was on the verge of suicide a whole lot of things it was just very depressing you know it was stillborn that's when when i went into my search of god like even though i was brought up in a christian family i never really did seek god for myself you know we were just doing whatever we were told to do pray Mm, read mm. the scripture sing you know in my search for god in me seeking god that's when i really now came to accept my identity in god and not in what the world says about me so and I even started because I, before that I was even starting to 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 hate South Africa because <laughs> I was just like it's just it started feeling like just such a closed-minded place yeah. and then this is a place I'm supposed to belong this is supposed mm. to be home and it wasn't feeling like ho- home and I just wanted to be to you know to go away and 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 I think that's why probably I, that's why I love traveling so much because. the traveling also had helped me when I was in God and I became genuinely born again um, that's when I was like God does not disappoint (laughs) you know and what he says about you is what it is to the day you leave this earth so I want to ask you about your writing journey. When were the early ages in your life where you started writing and what did you use to write about? Um, it was my mother who actually asked me to write a letter to my dad oh. because my dad, my mom and my dad were fighting and, um, you know, my, my dad would come home late, you know, and that kind of thing. And she would be so mad. <laughs> so she would ask me in. She would ask me to write letters to my dad, telling him how she's feeling. Mm. 
and I would do it. And, and then I, I just enjoyed writing for her, uh, but I didn't actually understand why she was asking me to write. And I only reflected later on and looking at her history that actually she wasn't able to write. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So she was illiterate. Oh. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I mean, she was bright. She was amazing. Very intelligent woman. Beautiful woman. But I didn't she realize. Didn't and she took so much glory in my academics. Yeah. And now only sitting back because, I mean, I remember like, my first year in South Africa and I went back to Zambia for the holidays and I took my books to show my mom like this is what I've been doing throughout the year. She actually took the books and was showing all her friends and I was like, my mom is just so overly excited anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like everyone was seeing what I was doing in grade four and looking at my books and she was saying, look at how clever my child was. And I think for her, it was a validation that, that even though academically, I think she finished school when she was in grade seven or something, um, even though she never spoke about that, she couldn't, it was kind of like, is it validation for her that, um, even though I wasn't able to do it, even my seed or, you know, has been able to do it. I don't know. But I mean, I looked back on it and I was like, wow, because my mom was very, she was, a, she was a warrior, hey? And she was very fearless and she was very much about the truth. Mm. <laughs> Whether you liked it or didn't like it, she spoke it as it was. And mm. I think that's where in my becoming, I've realized I've gotten that from her, mm. you know? So yeah, that's how I started writing. I started writing my mom's feelings towards my dad's through these letters. In school, um, we were given a project, um, I think it was the, my, last, my last year in primary school, to write our story, and basically an autobiography, you know, an A5 book, and da, da, da. So I wrote my book, my story, and it was from writing that story. I think I got like 82%. And I still have the note um, that the English teacher wrote. And she says, mm. I hope to see you published one day. Wow. Um, because you write with so much grace. And, and it was a very simple story. There wow. wasn't like, it wasn't like a fictional anything. It was just nonfiction. I was born here. And this is what has happened to me. Da, 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 da. And this is where I'm at right now. Hmm. Okay. I knew I really loved writing, but I didn't have anyone out there showing me that I could become a, an author. I could write films. I could write. But you know, like most great authors and writers, they mm-hmm. always have that story that this one teacher once validated my writing. Yeah. Once told me that someday I'm going to publish and all that. They yeah. always have that brilliant story. Yeah. So it's quite nice to see that come from you. So we should be expecting a great book. Yes, yes, yes. The book shall come out. The book (laughs) shall come out. I always say that writing is more than words and it always requires you to dig deep within Mm. yourself. And sometimes it reveals things that we don't know about ourselves. Yeah. What has it revealed for you in storytelling, like writing for Isibai and all that, etc. And with telling your own story? Let me tell you... um, to be a writer, um, like you say, it's just more than words. Because to be a to be a writer, you need to write every single day. You need to read a lot. 
but to be a writer you also need to dig into the depths of you mm. to share that you know and um funny enough there was a time i was secretly writing and then um after i left home and then i went to go get all my books and that book was there and then and then i had doubts again and i said no um i don't know what she was talking about and this isn't even the most amazing piece you know my book and i ripped all the pages the only thing i kept was her notes so oh. i just took her notes and i ripped all the pages and i went and i threw everything your and book I, yes my book and i wish i had kept it <laughs> wow. um but out of just a rage and not believing in myself because that's uh, first and foremost you've got to believe in yourself and also you have to be so secure in yourself mm. um and that's what happens with us in whatever profession you are there's that battle of you fighting your personal um uh, you know lack of self-esteem lack of um self-worth you know lack of um, self-love all sorts of things yeah. and then there's the gift that you are gifted at um and now it starts playing against that so but eventually i got the courage to approach an a newspaper editor um in my early days of production work in television and film um and i had written just some pieces just about things i'd seen on the street you know whether it's about the child working or it's the mother and child or it's the way the taxi drivers drive etc 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 and um then he published my work and he loved it and that's how i got my gig to be writing every single for media 24 and i was writing and the funniest thing he used to say because i didn't go and study journalism and i was with people who went and studied journalism and he would sometimes he would get so frustrated <laughs> with the stories that were coming in from everyone else and he would stand me in the middle of the newsroom and he would say can you look at her can you look at her writing? I wish all of you <laughs> and this is right people like who've gone and said could write like her. And I was yeah. like, oh, I don't think you should talk to them like that because they went and studied for it. So he already saw something in me. So I, again, I think I got a little bit of kind of like courage that this is something, but I didn't feel it was something that I was going to make a living from though, mm. you know, because even then I wasn't really getting paid amazingly to you know to pay my bills Mm. you know so by the time i took a stand many years later and um what is it now four years ago i said by the time i had my second child i said i cannot be working those production hours you know 18 hours a day six days a week um doing something that i can naturally do i can naturally make things happen i can naturally um coordinate i can plan i can do etc etc and i've become good at it doing that when actually my gifts and my passion is writing Mm -hmm. and storytelling and talking as you can hear you know (laughs) so that's how when i was interviewed for the job for to become a production manager by the md of the company i said to her um actually i'm not interested in this role what i've always wanted to do and make money from it Mm. while i'm doing it 
is writing storytelling that's amazing and that's how she opened and i said to her i said to her and i want to be able to drop off my, i'm a single mom so i want to be able to drop off my kids at school and pick them up from school i want to be present in my children's lives you know i don't want to just pay somebody to take care of my kids you know um so that's how she opened a position for me and she put me in the isibaya mm. um well i started out on a show called the road um story coordinating story tracking etc etc and then when that came to an end i went into the isibaya um i went to work on isibaya and then i was done in the isibaya story room it taught me in the isibaya story room that they didn't need somebody who had a master's in writing Mm. They needed somebody who was able to um, tell real stories so that we can fabricate stories that will connect with the viewer. Because you have no viewership, you have no show. And the one main thing that the audience connects with is the story. It's the story. Besides the visuals. Mm. Like, you're going to be like, oh, I want to watch this bio, I want to watch Mubango because of the story that is running. And that story, somehow, something about that story is resonating with what you are going through in your life. It's ministering to you. It's it's healing you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we live in a world... Which I want to get to that. How has writing been, like, instrumental in healing? Okay. So I realized that just in Jane, my story, my voice actually matters. And um, because we live in, in, in a world where um, we're going through what I call secret battles. Yeah. Secret <laughs> battles are not trending. Yeah. Um, but what is trending is the outcome of it, which is the depression and the suicide. Yes. And the reason why a lot of people are sick, <laughs> you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, you name it, um, which is now manifesting into, physic, physic, into the physical form, is because we're no longer sharing our stories yeah. and we're starting to feel that we are alone. I mean, I've created an online program called Write Me, which is um, structured to help people discover their purpose and recover their creativity, is that I've realized the power of story and the power of writing. So the power of me sharing my personal stories and the power in my clients writing their stories, it's healed them from from just from a lot yeah. from a lot from just incredible things that you didn't think that writing could heal you from mm. you know and it all starts with all these things that we store in the subconscious mind mm. that we actually don't even realize you know and they are they we are where we are because of what we've created Mm. and stored in our subconscious mind because actually what we should be doing is every single day (laughs) you should have your filter like you do have your email you know you've got your trash can you can easily (laughs) just like okay trash that and it should be gone and clear it but some of us and i used to do it with my emails now and now i'm learning to do it where i'm like this conversation is gone it's over Mm. 
if I could tell my story, I started writing early in my childhood. Okay. But I started writing in poetry and I decided that let me step on stage, let me go and recite. And the very first time when I decided to go recite, it was at baseline and I was booed on stage. I was told that I write like a 16 year old and I was 16 mm. year old. It's just that I looked matured. Yeah. And at that time I stopped writing because I was thinking that people don't appreciate my writing or it doesn't yeah. sound well and no one is going to hear my story. So from then, then I stopped writing. And when I came back into the writing space, I even doubted myself that who's going to listen? Mm. Who is it going to relate to? And my tone of writing was an angered one. It was an angry one. Mm. And I realized that it wasn't helping me, but it was reinforcing the things that I was thinking about myself. Mm. It was even reinforcing the hurt. It was perpetuating the hurt. And when I stopped writing in that tone, but writing affirmations and writing the, the stories that remind me every day that I'm valid, I'm worth it and all that, that's when my healing process really started. And yeah. it was all about the tone which I write in. So I want you to actually, because you already touched on what you do in, 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 in Write Me mm. and how it has been instrumental to your um, clients and your customers. I just want you to highlight the tools that you use in helping people like uh, discover their purpose mm. and also how it has been instrumental to them. Like what tools do you use for them to get to a point where they could say that they've, they are going through healing through Write Me? Um, before I do that, I just want to touch on what you said about how you went on stage and you were writing poetry, uh, you were reciting poetry and you got booed on stage. Um, that itself was it was your journey to writing as well. Yes, it didn't happen, you know, in in the in most favored way. Yes. But what we need to realize is that um, even writers, there's different types of writers, and even you as a writer, sometimes you also have to discover what is for you and what is not for you, and also like, is it aligned with your uh, with your purpose, your you know what you believe in. Um, but besides that, is it in an in alignment? You needed to obviously you you needed to learn um, confidence. Yeah, and it I like it, that it a lot. needed it needed that boo for you to really make you realize: is this really something that I love? But what is it about me that maybe I'm not connecting on a deeper level? So it it, it helped you grow, but also at the same time. People will be people. We are so quick out of like one person to say no to us, to think the whole world has said no to us. So when you haven't found your voice and you haven't found that confidence, it's the same with what happened with me with when I wrote about you know my aunt. Um, when I hadn't realized that this is my thing, whether other people like it or not, this is how I express myself. Yeah. So even if this audience is not into it, and I, I'm gonna keep doing it, and there will be an audience that You'll will find like your it. Tribe. And it's the same. It's the same with business. It's the same that I've learned with Write Me. Like I'm not pushing anyone to do Write Me. It, the right person, the person who is supposed to do it, because we need to work together, is gonna do it. So you're yeah. gonna attract whoever is supposed to be doing whatever it is that you know so um i'm happy that you went on that journey and you came back um to writing for example i had a client who was like i wanted to write me it sounds so exciting because it's not a technical writing course you know but um 
I want to do write me. It's so exciting. Um, I used to write poetry, and I want to get back into writing poetry again. She came and she she did write me. You know, she understood very much exactly what write me is about. She did write me anyway, and when she did write me, she said I got so much more value for this with with doing write me than I'd actually envisioned because for her. Um, she was thinking it was she needed to get back to writing poetry but actually she discovered uh, by the end of it when she was done that actually what she wants to do is write a memoir wow. you know and then besides discovering that she wanted to write a memoir also spiritually she says spiritually she grew through the whole the journey and also she became a better mom wow you know I'm now kind of debating the word procrastination because sometimes it's a blessing in disguise because sometimes something needs to be revealed to you. Yes. And that's exactly what happened to you. You needed to be revealed. Your, something needed to be revealed to you. Like you needed to realize your self-worth, you know. First. Yeah, yeah. you needed to realize your self-worth because... No matter what has happened to you in your life, any trauma that you've gone through, any tragic thing that you have gone through, whenever you are coming to tell that story, it should always be written. And I heard this years ago, and then I didn't believe it until when I put it into practice. Whatever you write about, it should not really be about revenge, but more about out of love. Because when you write from love, not taking away that you're not going to write your story, that's when people get inspired. Yes. That's when people get motivated. That is so true. Because I felt like poetry was all about writing about revenge, writing about getting back to that person or doing the same equal amount of hurt that the person did to you, mm. getting it back to him. And like it, it was so unnecessary. I felt like it was scraping through that pain and still dwelling too much on it and just writing about it every time. And probably the, the audience's thing. reaction was to the negative vibe of it. It was drawing that because that negative. you hadn't, you probably hadn't, when you had brought it forward, the vibration was wrong. Yes. <laughs> Look, I'm a huge fan of nonfiction and I think it's very important that you tell your story, like whatever happened to you. But then you need to bring in the insight, the understanding, that the, the wisdom. You need to bring in the wisdom because somebody, they, they may, you, somebody may be reading it who is going through what you went through and they pretty much want to have hope. So, that, so if you can tell them that, listen, I went through X, Y, Z, um, but even though I went through X, Y, Z, here I am. I'm a living testimony. Mm. And then mm. this is what I learned from going through X, Y, Z. Mm. So I think at the end of the day is what am I learning from this rather than why is it happening to me? Yeah, that's true. And that's that true. has to come across in your writing. So tell your story, but then also you must, um, yeah, you need to write from that place of, love and light so that you can inspire people and motivate people that no matter where they're at like it's not impossible to get out of it or to you know to yes, heal yes yes to yes. heal basically yes.
so just to close it off, can you now highlight the tools that you give off <clears throat> to your clients for Write Me? And okay. just give us your parting message so people out there. Yeah. Okay. So Write Me is a 21-day writing journey um, that helps individuals discover their purpose and also reconnect with their creativity. Writing is the main tool that I use, but I use other tools. I'm a certified yoga teacher, so I use, I like to use meditation. I use um, self-care, gratitude. Mm. Um, what else do I use? Affirmations, you know. Um, but writing is the main tool that I use because that's where a lot of things come <laughs> out. That's where the unblocking happens, yeah. you know. Um, like I said earlier, you discover there's stuff in your subconscious that you didn't even realize were so there. True. And there's always just that one thing, that one thing that is actually affecting how you relate in all areas of your life and you don't know it. You know, so by the time you come to the page, it's just the most amazing experience because you really now get to see it for what it is. So what I would like to say to everybody out there, what I would like to say to everybody out there, number one, first and foremost, know your purpose. Mm. For Because I've spent 20 years in my career not knowing my purpose and I've realized that my not knowing my purpose has blocked so many opportunities for me because I have not been able to I was not able to spiritually see I was not able to spiritually hear to realize that this is in alignment with what I was called here to do you know so that is very important um number two be true to yourself yeah like First and foremost, besides being true to yourself, self-care is so real. And self-care goes on so many levels more than just I love myself. Self-care is protecting your energy um, around other people who uh, people are people. They don't always say nice things. Yeah. <laughs> And you need to be you need to be a filter, whether you in the congregation in your church, whether you at some business function somewhere, whether you are at a wedding, you're at a funeral, just constantly check in um, with whether it's with your friends, your family, because people will say things according to their perception of according to the way they were conditioned and the way they were brought up. So for me, I think definitely first and foremost, discover your purpose, your true calling. What were you called here to do? And you need to now start breaking it down. And it's, it's, it's hard work, you know. Um, was it this year I did a course with Stanford University online um, in America? And the three questions you need to ask yourself is, what was I born to do? What am I good at? And what will people pay me to do? Mm. Because those are completely three different things. They, it will be easy for you to say what people will pay you to do because you can easily learn a skill and be able to do it. Or follow the trends. Yes. And it is easy for you to find out what you are good at. But the first and foremost one that you should know is what you are here for. Mm. What are you here for? And whatever you are doing right now, 
is not a waste. Um, the only reason you possibly are not um, in love with your job is because you don't know your purpose. But the moment you know your purpose, you can even find joy in your current job or you may discover that actually I want don't want to stay in my current job, you know, because a lot of us are like, oh, you know, we're catching on to the trend of there's coaches out there telling us let's go out and do leave what we were, you know, leave your job <laughs> and go and do what it is that you were called here to do. What you were called here to do can be done in whatever it is that you were doing. So exactly. nothing, nothing is wasted. No experience is wasted. And you now just need to start reflecting and seeing why was I brought here? You were probably just, maybe you were the person brought into the office to put a smile on people's faces. And that is just <laughs> your purpose. Because that person that you put in a smile on for needs that positive energy to go um, raise their kids back home, yeah. you know, and not kill their kids. You know, it's simple things that we don't realize. And yeah, I think that pretty oh. much sums up there's a lot that i could say but i mean first <laughs> and foremost a lot. those three things are very important yeah there's yeah. certainly a lot that you could share and just as i said when i actually introduced you and opened the conversation i knew that there was a wealth of information that you could share out there and there's a lot from you that i could try and sponge out but we are so limited with time. And I just want to thank you so much, really. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sparing me time in your day. <laughs> thank you. No, it was um, awesome. Yeah. Out of, out, of, out of really, like, the depth of my heart, thank you so much. No, I really you, appreciate thank it. You, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to find out more about us, we are on Instagram. It's life as we know it underscore podcast. And my own Instagram page, it's life with Olarato. And as always, if you like this show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.